for some. It's going to be a challenge for sure and a reminder to the rest of us. Uh, it's a good word. It's a good word and a great one to remember uh, really who Jesus is and who we are and our part to play and his part to play. It's a good word this morning. If you want to turn to Mark chapter 10, we're just going to jump right in. Be a no holes bar, no nothing holding back. I'm going to give it to you. Been looking at this for a couple of weeks now. It's been a strong word to me. Uh, it's going to allow us to finish out this chapter. I think I've preached on this chapter for two months. So kind of kind of nice to, you know, to see uh, chapter 11. So I'm excited about it. We'll pick it up at verse 46, and we're going to read it all the way to the end. Say amen if you're there this morning. Oh, I like it. I like it. Mark chapter 10. Gospel of Mark chapter 10. Verses 46. All the way to the end. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat. He jumped up and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, Go. For your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see. And he followed Jesus down the road. Let's pray real quick. Father, Lord, I've meditated on this word for a few weeks now, Lord. and Lord, I believe it's the word you want me to preach. So, Lord, this, this word has been a good word for my own heart. And it sowed seeds into my own heart. Now, God, I ask that you would do with it as you please, Lord, to your people, God. Sow seeds into them. Water it, Lord. God, water it, Lord. Let it renew some, Lord. Let it challenge some, Lord. And let it remind some, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And, and to give you a, a bit of a heads up, he's uh, heading there to die. He's heading there to die. So the, this moment of his death keeps approaching faster and, and faster. And uh, every lesson now leading up is going to become more important. As the time gets closer, the more things he says, he's trying to get in before that moment because this is his teaching time. These become the final works of Jesus before the cross. And this work isn't a new work, right? We're, we're kind of used to seeing him performing miracles. But there are a few things that if you don't slow down, you're going to miss. All right, And they're, they're like really simple things. But I want to remind you, even simple things have huge impacts. It's just the truth. So one of the things that I do, this is something that I do. This is how I see the scriptures. This, if you ever wonder like, okay, well, how does he do it? Or how does he see things like this? This is literally what I do. I visualize the whole thing. Like as soon as this, the book starts to read, I do this just about with any book, right? Uh, I remember um, 
uh, movies back when I was young that would talk about this. They would, you know, you, when you read a book, it would become visual. It was like you were living in the book with the character, and you walked where they walked, and you went where they went, and you found yourself caught up in the story with them. One of the reasons I always loved Never Ending Story. I don't know if you ever saw that one as a as a kid. That was an awesome book or awesome movie as a kid because it was about a kid who read a book who finds himself swept into the story. And uh, I always loved the idea that that's what a book did. You could vicariously live through the person in the book. And if we can do this with the Bible, I'm telling you, you'll start to see things you always missed. You're paying attention so much to every word that comes out that you're forgetting the context of, what, of why he's saying what he's saying, when he's saying what he's saying. What might the responses be? What might the looks? What might the crowd look like, right? So there, if we start to visualize this event, think about this. Uh, really in your, in your brain start to process this. They're going to, they are passing through Jericho. They've already come through it. They're on their way out. And as they are leaving, there's all of these beggars there on the way out. And we're going to talk about one in particular. Obviously, we're going to talk about Bartimaeus. He's sitting there begging for anyone that will give him anything. So can you see him there? He's homeless looking. His beard is ragged. He's dirty from being on the ground. He smells because he hadn't been showering. Pro- I mean, come on. This is a long time ago. His clothes are ragged. They're torn. Uh, and really, his clothes are his only possession. He's a beggar. He doesn't have anything but what somebody might give him. He doesn't have anything. He has nothing else. This is his life. This is his life. His eyes do not work. He can only see the black void, but his ears haven't failed him that morning, right? Because he hears a crowd approaching. And this is the time to beg. If you're a beggar and the crowd's approaching, this is the time to do it. This is the time when there's going to be an audience that might lend an ear, and his hope is to find someone sympathetic enough to give him something, right? Something that might allow him to have one more day of a beggar's life. Now listen, can you fathom that? Think about that. (laughs) He's literally begging for anything that will allow him to continue this life that he is existing in. One more day as a beggar. One more day as a beggar. One more day as a guy begging for things on the side of the road, hoping and praying that someone will feel sympathetic and sorry enough for him so that he can continue in that lifestyle. That's a desperate man. That's a desperate man. But it's also a humble man. He has to depend on others for everything. So this crowd is approaching, right? Whispers in the crowd are lending him a hand a little bit. Come on, he's a blind beggar. He hears a name that registers with his heart. And I'm sure it's like, you know, Jesus, Jesus. They're saying Jesus, Jesus, this, Jesus, right? He doesn't know where Jesus is because he can't see, but he can hear. He must be near him, right? So he begins to shout and make a commotion. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I mean, he doesn't know where he's at. He doesn't even know where he's yelling to, right? But he's doing this so obnoxiously and such like a desperate man that other people are starting to notice. And they're annoyed at him. To the point where they just want to shut him up, right? 
They want to keep him quiet. But he only shouts louder, right? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Can you see him? You visualize that? You see him like trying to hold him down, like, get out of here, man. Can't you see we're doing stuff? Can't you see there's already a crowd following him? How are you going to keep up, man? You can't even see where he's at. By the way, you don't even know if he's yelling at the right side of the crowd. Jesus could be way far away. He could be not even come yet. We assume he's always like passing through. We assume he's already passed through, right? But we don't know. And he's sitting there standing up. And he's blindly bumping into others. He's frantic. This is his moment, right? I mean, he's heard whispers. He's heard these things. And here's the first lesson we're taught in all this passage, right? That the desperate and broken have the attention of the Father. The desperate and the broken have the attention of the Father. Bartimaeus, he had nothing to lose. He's already poor. What else can happen? Yeah, he's already a beggar. He's already, all thing he's got is clothes on his back. He had nothing to lose. He was at the bottom. He was already blind. His life for him at this stage in history is already written because blind men aren't profitable men in that time in history. They have need of everybody else. They were beggars. And fortunately for Bartimaeus, his hearing, though, had received a double portion. Amen? Because just at hearing the name of Jesus and by his reaction, we can easily assume rumors of Jesus had already swirled around Jericho. I mean, yeah, Jesus was passing through, but at one point he had to enter. And from the time he entered, that name swirled throughout the city. And Bartimaeus, he just sees us on this moment with boldness. He shouts once and immediately, listen to this, guys. He shouts once and immediately gets shut down. Now, I'm going to share with you a great truth here. Some people never make it past this. Some people in their life never make it past this. Some people, when faced with something tough in their life, some sort of crisis, some sort of rough season, some sort of financial craziness, or whatever it is, never make it past the first shutdown in their life. They surrender to self-pity. They resort to like wallowing in grief or in bitterness or in sorrow or in unforgiveness. And if that is you this morning, I hope you're taking a strong look at this passage. This passage this morning is a call to arms about not giving up. Not giving up. It is the blowing of the trumpet to dig in and to press in. When Jesus doesn't hear you the first time, and when everything still seems against you, hear me right now, shout louder. Pray harder. Read your Bible more. Fast more. Give more. Press in. Don't give up. Don't give up. It could mean all the difference in the world. Or have you forgotten James 5.16? The fervent prayer of the righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Don't give up. Do you know what fervent really means? Have you ever really just looked it up? 
It means displaying with passionate intensity. It is to be intense, sincere, heartfelt, enthusiastic, zealous, fanatical, committed, and dedicated. In Latin, the word translates into boiling. Boiling. You're not just hot about it, you're exploding. Don't give up. Too many people are weak in this area. You are one shout from having your petition heard from Jesus, but you are one shout shy from being heard. Don't give up. We always give up too soon. Let me encourage you this morning. Stay the course to whatever you're praying for. Stay the course. Be steady. Be strong. Believe in what God's told you. Be strong in the Lord. And listen, this is a wake-up call this morning. If you've got a pen and paper, grab it now, because I'm going to give you a bit of truth when it comes to this. You ready? This is a bit of truth. If you've got a pen and paper, this is something you ain't going to want to miss. This is the one thing I'm going to tell you that's going to help equate your life. You wonder why you're struggling. You wonder why everything's hard. You wonder why this thing. You are, Listen, here it is right here. You are only going to be as strong. You are only going to be as strong as your prayer life. If your prayer life is weak, you will be weak. Your faith will be weak. Man, you know what prayer is? It's the dumbbells. It's the dumbbells to your muscles. Prayer builds you up in faith. It makes you stronger in faith. It grows you. It develops you. It makes you walk confident when others walk weak. It makes you talk a certain way that others don't. You know how many people look at me and like, how did you get to this place? You're like, it wasn't overnight. It took working out, right? You ever see a guy that looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger? Arnold Schwarzenegger will tell you how, when he became all the times he became Mr. Olympian. He didn't like just all of a sudden become that. It took hard work to get where that was. It took making decisions, getting up early in the morning and going and working out every single morning. It means making his diet right, not ever cheating, not ever giving up. And those were decisions that you make every single day. Those are decisions. You are only going to be as strong as your prayer life. And also this, listen guys, worry about your own prayer life. Worry about your own prayer life. It is not for you to judge others just because somebody's the strong do not judge the weak. No, use your strength to help the weak. You're not here to judge them. Why are you so weak? If you just made better decisions, that's not your job. Your job is to help the weak. How about invite them to the gym? By the way, if you're a prayer warrior, invite them to prayer. You are not here to call others out who aren't in prayer. You are to be an example of how to pray. Bartimaeus pressed in. He shouted loud, and when that wasn't enough, he shouted louder. He is your example this morning on pressing in and pressing through, so you better take note of it. That blind man's got something to teach us. And here's the thing is, Bartimaeus is blind, right? But so are we, right? We are blind to our fate. We are blind to our future. You don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. We don't know what next week's going to hold. We have no idea where we're going to be 10 years from now, 15 years from now. I think every time we make plans, God laughs. I think God loves adventure more than we do. I think we, we like safety and security. And so we're always crying about safety, security to a God who loves adventure. 
who would like for us to just live daily with him. And what that means by him is like, hey, whatever happens tomorrow is what happens tomorrow. And then I'll worry about the next day when I get there. You know what happens when you live like that? You don't have anxiety, first of all. You just deal with the problems as they come. Because you don't care what happens tomorrow. You'll deal with that then. You can't do anything about it now. You make the best decisions you can on a daily basis. We're blind to, our, to the purposes of God at times. We're blind to the will of God at times. These are all things that we struggle. All things where we struggle. With all of our ability to see, we're just as blind as Bartimaeus. Yet Bartimaeus saw something that we often forget and maybe even take for granted. Without eyes, even the blind beggar could see Christ, the Messiah, the Son of David. After all, how did he address him? He called him Jesus the son of David. How can you see? Did he look like David? By the way, there's many generations that passed. He can't see his facial features. He, can't, he didn't hear Jesus walk by. He hears everybody talking about Jesus, right? But he says, Jesus, son of David. Now, that's huge. That goes back to a prophetic word uh, spoken hundreds of years before the birth of Christ. In 2 Samuel 7, one, uh, I'll, just, I'll just read the, the scripture. Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father. He will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod like any other father would do. But my favor will not be taken away from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, and your throne will be secure forever. Years and years, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of years before Jesus is here, this is spoken. So to call Jesus the Son of God is to say He's the Christ. To call Jesus the Son of David is to say He's the Messiah. That He is heir to the throne of Jerusalem. That He is heir to the throne of the kingdom of God. It is the promise of God to raise up the seed of David. It's kind of a big deal. To me, it's interesting that the, the beggar is the one who's going to say this. This blind beggar is going to be the one who's going to make the announcement that Jesus is the son of David. Now, uh, uh, this is uh, uh, super interesting to me. I once heard part, uh, Pastor Mark Driscoll say this on the subject, uh, and I thought this was great. He says, isn't that amazing that God would... what?" Isn't that, isn't that amazing that God would choose to do that through the homeless, poor, unkept, blind beggar on the side of the road? Listen to Pastor Mark. He says, no band would ever debut an album with that marketing plan. No book is going to be released with that as the advertising promotional campaign. How are you going to launch this? Well, we're going to have this homeless guy yell it a couple of times, and I'm sure from that, billions will sign up uh, for this cause, and it's going to roll for a thousand years. Right? I mean, think about it. Bartimaeus didn't need eyes to see this. And neither should you. Because where your eyes fail, faith begins. Faith begins. And, and here's another truth that we see in this because of this. Faith always precedes sight. Faith always precedes sight. And what is faith? 
I know what the biblical definition, right? You know that too. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. But even simpler, faith is trusting in the truth. Faith is trusting in the truth. This trusting will lead to believing. Now that is simple. But let's break it down so we understand it. Let's break it down so we understand it. Faith begins when I start to trust in the truth. That's when it starts. What is the truth? God's Word is the truth. Everything contained there in the Bible is the truth. Regardless of how I feel about it, it is true. Now I'm going to choose to trust that. I'm going to trust it. Right? And in trusting the truth of the word, I will start to see its truth. And as I start to see its truth, I begin to believe in the truth. Right? I begin by trusting in the truth. And as I walk in trusting in the truth, I begin to see that, wow, there are th- this thing is true. And as I see that it's true, and it becomes visibly evident to me, right? I start to believe. And as I begin to believe in the truth, faith, this whole thing unfolds. Faith is the pathway to belief. Jesus asked all of us, do we believe in him? And we believe by faith, right? We trust him. But as we get to know him, we believe him. We trust him in the beginning, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I don't know how this is going to play out, but Lord, I trust you. And the more we walk in the trust of Jesus, we start to walk in the belief of Jesus. I don't have to worry about trust. I believe in Jesus. I know it's going to work out. It's not faith anymore. I know. I know. Trust becomes belief. It's what makes us continue steadfast when there seems to be no reason for continuing to go. What happens now? Well, my faith starts to supersede everything else I see because I start to reflect back on the things that I've trusted Jesus with in the past, right? So now I have faith that he'll do these things in the future. I believe, which is stronger, so strong. Faith always precedes sight. The same go for you when it comes to Jesus. You all came to Jesus blindly. All of you did. You all come to Jesus like a beggar. There's nobody that doesn't come to Jesus like a beggar. They all come like a beggar. As a matter of fact, this whole story really is your story. You are helpless. You are broken. You are blind. You are homeless. You're scruffy and you're sinful. You can't see anything except what you want to see. However, you've heard something that's touched you. Think about it. Doubt tries to snuff it out. It always does. But what you want to trust is what you've heard. Right? Because it gives you some semblance of hope. Right? You've heard that Jesus can save you, that he can rescue you, that he can give you hope and a future. You've heard that he could perform miracles, that he can heal your eyes, he can heal your ears, and he can perform miracles and all these things, right? He can deliver you from the loneliness you feel or from the bitterness you're struggling with or even unforgiveness, right? And then something clicks because like Bartimaeus, you're desperate. You don't want to be lonely anymore. You don't need to be broken anymore. You want some hope in your life. You want some laughter, some happiness in your life, some real, real tangible happiness. So it clicks. And so, so you trust what you hear. That's how you come. You trust what you hear. 
And then you shout. You believe with all your might. And then you shout some more. And just like that, Jesus is standing right in front of you. And in that small moment, in that small moment, Jesus tells you the same thing he tells Bartimaeus. Your faith has made you whole. You trusted in the truth until you believed. This story is a callback to the gospel. It is a staunch reminder of who we are and really who Jesus is. Where does the gospel lead us? The same place it leads Bartimaeus. Same place. It leads us into following Jesus. Following Jesus. There will be no greater road, truth. There will be no greater adventure, no greater purpose in your life than following Jesus. You're fooling yourself if you think otherwise. Your dreams of grandeur or for whatever you think is going to happen in the future, man. Give that to the Lord. Trade that to the Lord and see what he hands you. Give up your dreams and give them to the Lord. I dare you and see what the Lord has for you. Bartimaeus left everything behind. Listen, even his coat. By the way, if that's all you own, kind of a big deal. No one said it's going to be easy. No one said it wouldn't cost you. And if they did, they were liars. They were liars. Anybody that says that you come to Christianity doesn't cost you anything, they're a lie. What else are you crucifying on the cross? Your own flesh. It's going to cost you this old self that you've been hanging on to forever. This sinful self. That guy's got to go. That guy's got to go. No one said it wouldn't cost you. However, this is where faith will lead you. If you want to see the great life, the purpose, plan, and will of God in your life, then at some point, your faith must be increased. Your faith will lead to belief, and belief will drive you into your next season. So whatever's holding you back, whatever you're waiting to get to the next place, the only way to get there is by faith. And the only way to grow it is through prayer. Are you going to follow Jesus? I didn't say, do you believe in Jesus? Are you going to follow Jesus? Are you talking and and having a conversation with Jesus? Do you have a prayer life? If not, why not? Is there really an excuse to not just go sit and quietly uh, without your phone for about 10 minutes and just talk to him maybe once a day or once a week even, man? You need to have some kind of prayer life going on. That 10 minutes, I promise you this, if you continue to do it, it's going to change your life. And that 10 minutes will turn into other longer things. Or you can keep trying to muscle everything in your life and continue to have that feeling of helplessness and frustration and being tired because you're so busy trying to make everything happen rather than just pray for things to happen, giving things to the Lord. There are some things out of your wheel box. You need to give that to the Lord. You can't make it happen. Following Jesus costs the disciples their lives. You are fooling yourself if you think we're somehow going to escape that. You are. There's no way 
you read the book of the Bible, any of the Gospels or the book of Acts, and think that somehow Christianity is not going to cost you something. I have no idea where they got that, you know, health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. It's not anywhere in the Bible. None of the, the apostles turned out that way. They ended up, most of them, dead. Most all of them, actually. You, I guarantee you Paul didn't preach that. He got too many scars. It's hard. It's time to move past what it costs us, though, of being followers of Christ and start to see what can happen to the world if we don't. If we don't follow Christ, if we don't give it our all and try our all to follow Christ, we are going to fail, first and foremost, our families. There are people that we're praying for as in, in our families. Man, I'm praying for my own brothers, my own, my own siblings, my own parents. My, all these, if I don't follow Christ, if I don't give all, I may not see them again when I reach eternity. We will fail our friends. If we don't follow Christ, we're going to fail our city and our community and even the world. And they're going to perish because we were playing church. We were playing church. We were playing at being followers when we should have been praying followers, right? I'm reminded of a Medal of Honor recipient, Dakota Myers' words, as he overcame an incredible odds in a, in a combat moment to rescue single-handedly 36 soldiers. 36 soldiers. He said this, I didn't think I was going to die. I knew I was going to die. Once I knew that, I was free to fight and do what needed to be done. Listen, and you will too. Get over the cost. Move past. Just accept that side of Christianity. It's going to cost me friends to be a Christian. Because I'm going to behave in such a way and, 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 uh, that is going to be contrast to the world. I'm not going to find things funny that they find funny. I, I'm, I'm not going to talk like they talk. I'm not going to walk or, or, or move my life like they move. I'm not going to teach my kids like they teach their kids. Right? Man, isn't that what we all get angry about anyway as Christians? We see all that all the time. They're teaching homosexuality in school. We're not going to be for that. That's never going to be. We're never going to be okay with that. It's never going to happen. We're never going to be okay with all the sexuality stuff. We're never going to be okay with all this gender stuff. We're never going to be okay with this idolatry stuff being preached. We're never going to be okay with any of that stuff. We walk a different walk, and it will cost us our reputation. It will cost us friends. It will cost us families to stand our ground. Get over that. Once you get over that, once you accept that and begin to deal with it, then we can move. Then we can do something for the Lord. Serving Jesus is never going to sit right with the world. Or with anyone who loves this world. We're always going to be a people set apart. The Bible calls us peculiar. Dare I say we're different. We just are. And that's okay. Accept it. Accept it. I think one of the hardest things that was ever told to me, and I think it's one of those things that kind of, kind of birthed this thing right here almost, is the second year I ever came to Marble Falls, uh, I was pastoring over at First Assembly, and, and, and we had this transition moment at the time, and, and I didn't know what God wanted from me, and, and I had kind of offered up. I was like, well, I don't feel called to be a senior pastor in this moment, but if you'd like me to, and <clears throat> there was a moment that said, like, no, we look at maybe too young and, and, and all that, and, and I'm, you know, I'm not getting my feelings hurt, but one of the things that was a consolation to me is a guy comes up to me and says, listen, I've been praying to the Lord about you, and I feel like the Lord gave me a word for you, and he began to say this, and he said, you know what, Jim, you, you got a different heart, man, and 
I think God has got a different people that are going to be good for your different heart. And at first, I'm going to be honest, like, I want to be offended at that. <laughs> I like, I'm just like everybody else. Why can't I just be like everybody else, right? Because I think there's a pull for that, right? There's this pull. Why, why aren't we just like everybody else, you know? Why can't I just fit in? Why can't even I fit in in the church sometimes? Why can't I fit in even amongst pastors sometimes? Believe me, there's a thing that I struggle with there. So it, like, it hit on that. But you know what? I think it was a word from the Lord. I think, the, I think the Lord's right. God gave me a different heart to do something different, to be daring to do something different. And that's okay. You know, I've decided to, like, in all that, like, if I fail, at least I failed doing the different thing that God called me to do. That's okay. Like, the church goes on, right? There's no, there won't, it, it won't be like I failed, the whole church died. There's no such thing. The church does not die. You know why? Because you keep going. You keep going. The church is you. The temple that Jesus built is inside you. I'm, oh, man, brick and mortar will fall away, and one day there might never be a church building, but church will exist in the house where people love Jesus. The church will always be here. It's okay to be different. It's okay. Accept it. By, by the way, embrace it. Embrace it. And, and, and move forward. Follow Jesus. Pray. Read your Bible. Tell others about Jesus. It's that simple. Christianity is just that simple. Follow Jesus. Pray. Read your Bible. This is all things that lead you back into knowing Jesus. In knowing Jesus, it'll be super easy to tell others about Jesus. I mean, I'm always really good at telling you stories about someone else. You know what? It's really easy to tell a story about Jesus. Super easy. So what are you going to tell them? Simple. You're telling them the same thing in this story. This is your story. This is your evangelistic testimony right here. The same as Bartimaeus. Here's what you're going to tell people who don't know Jesus. That you were once a blind beggar. That you were once homeless, hopeless, and broken. Right? That yet at the simple calling of Jesus, your life was forever changed. You are free now. You can see. You were blind, but you can see now, right? You can hear your heart has been mended. You have been made whole. Jesus is now the way, the truth, and the life for you. You see the truth now and believe the truth now. At one time, you blindly trusted that, but now you believe it with all your heart. Blind trust is faith. Now you believe it. There's no question. No question to you. I remember Rodney Howard Brown, I quote him a lot when he says this. It was one of my favorite things. He says, man, if you come to tell me Jesus ain't real, you're too late. It's a done deal. It's a done package for me. It's too late. I believe it now. I don't need faith to believe that Jesus is real. I don't need faith for that. I believe that. I don't need faith for that anymore. I might need faith for a lot of things, but that's not one of them. I know it. I know that I know. Right? You've seen, because you've seen it. You've seen like I've seen. You've seen Jesus face to face. Oh, you didn't see the Aramaic Jesus, you know, in his tan features and his curly Jewish hair and all that stuff. No, you've seen Jesus in each other. You know how many people have been Jesus to me? Pretty much everybody in this room. When you've been kind to me. When you've been kind to my family. Many of you have blessed my family in ways that, I, I mean, if I got up here and bragged on you, you'd hate me. Most, I would say it, pretty much everybody in here has been such a huge blessing to my family. And in you, I see Jesus. Jesus, it's so funny because people say, well, I just want to see Jesus. Man, you saw him. 
And when you saw him, you didn't recognize him. Well, why? What are you saying? Well, you remember that when that person came up to you and you were struggling and he helped you a little bit? You saw him. Jesus came to you and you missed it. You better start praying so you can start to see those moments when they happen. Jesus sees you. He sees you. You no longer live for yourself now because you believe. You no longer live for yourself. Now you live for him and you want the whole world to know it. This is following Jesus. He jumped up, threw off the coat. Man, I'm gone. I will see you later. So to some of you this morning, let me remind you as we get ready for the worship. Man, this ought to change the way we worship, right? Last reminder, embrace your brokenness. It's what the Father sees in you. The Father sees the desperate and the broken. So embrace your brokenness, right? Embrace it. I don't mean like, listen, you're not going to fix that. Give that to God. By the way, brokenness and desperate are like perfumes to the Lord. When you admit those that you are helpless, remember what we talked about coming like a child? When you admit that you are helpless at fixing your situation, God loves to show up and show out. It begs Him to be the rescuer. If you've got kids, you already know this. You love being the hero for your kids. Even when it's something remedial, right? Like, oh, my chain came off my back. And you're like, I know that I can just do that trick I learned when I was a kid that my dad showed me where you just put the chain on halfway and then you roll it real quick. And they think you're a miracle worker. And you're like, that was the totally easiest thing i ever seen. That was totally easy. But that's what they think, right? Embrace your brokenness. Next one is shout louder. Shout louder. Don't let the first one stop you. Shout louder. Shout louder. Do not give up. Dig deeper. Pray harder. Trust Jesus more. Give him more. Trust him more. And follow him as if he was the only glass of water in the desert. That is your encouragement this morning. This message this morning is a call of encouragement to you that God is not finished with you. He's ready. He's ready. Shout louder. Dig deeper. Pray harder. Love more. Amen? Amen. We're going to worship and then we're going to follow that with communion today. I think it's appropriate. Man, because you heard the gospel this morning. Simply put, you've heard the gospel this morning. Let that resonate with you as we get ready for worship and communion. Lord, you are mighty. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are our everything, Lord Jesus. We declare that this morning. We lay ourselves before your altar. We give you glory and honor. Lord, we ask this morning that you would look inside our hearts and you would do what only you can do. You would do surgery on us. You would mend every broken place that only you can see, Father.
the ones even we think we've been hiding. We lay it before you and we give you permission. We say, here we are. Change us, Father, not just so that we can be changed, but Lord, so we can go into the world and be a light in dark places that we can bring to the lost and the broken your love and bring hope. Remind us who we are in you. Father, we love you with everything.